Hello, everybody. Welcome to Monday Night Live. My name's Derek Arden. I'm delighted to have Lorraine Ellison on today. Let me tell you a little bit about Lorraine. Lorraine is a Mackham, and we'll tell you what a Mackham is later on. Uh, in the Northeast, they have all sorts of funny names and expressions that us Londoners don't understand, but it's important that we share those with you later. Uh, Lorraine's a busy accountant uh, at running her own business, and she turned my business down. So it just shows how valuable that is. She knows how to say no to people. Um, so um, Lorraine gets involved in all sorts of local issues in the Northeast. And I first met Lorraine when I spoke for her at a SEMA conference, Chartered Institute of Man Management Accounting. Welcome, Lorraine. Thanks for joining Monday Night Live. And uh, perhaps you'd tell us what you did in a previous life when you were a young girl what did you get up to then oh I did a lot of studying uh, a lot of reading uh, a lot of maths questions I must point out at this point I'm not very good at adding up where I can do formula so that's my thing um I worked for the local newspaper so I had to teach editors how to pre prepare a budget now that's funny because they all they know is words they don't know numbers so it was bridging that gap I worked for Dunlop. Um, I can't pronounce one of the Dunlop names. I struggle with it, but they produce tennis rackets and <laughs> tennis balls, and I can't mm. pronounce it. And I worked for Pickering's Lifts. So I learned all about the lift industry. And my claim to fame in there was I did a spreadsheet in Dutch because we had a Dutch company. And I had to keep switching it back to English so I could understand what the formulas were. So it was great fun, learnt lots throughout the uh, the time. And then I eventually decided I was going to set my own business up. I never wanted to, but I wanted some control over my own life and set it up with uh, borrowed £10,000 on the mortgage to buy a car. I already had a computer and I went for it. And Will, you'd be pleased to hear this. My first thing was I went networking. I was free to go and meet with people. It was absolutely fabulous. And I found, I, I said, I'll give it six months. If I don't like it, I can go and get another job in management accountancy. And I found that I loved it, absolutely loved it. So that was it. That was, that was me on board with my own business. And it was just me. And then it sort of grew. I needed more people to do delegate work to. So we're up to four full time. And about three or four part time, I lose track of it because we work flexi. So it's hard to know how many people you've got because it's all done on flexible basis. Really? Um, really? So, yeah, and we love it. So you were voted one of the top women in accountancy. Um, and actually, accountancy is quite an unusual um, job for a woman in the uh, days when you joined. And I know that uh, you're not very old, but even so, it's a pretty male dominated uh, arena how did why did you choose it and how did you uh, how did you deal with all those men oh yes um I didn't really notice that it was all men I was too focused on doing my job oh, wow. but I fell into it I wanted to work for the banks so I thought thought that was a nice place to go and work use me account uh, adding up skills that I could model but I thought I could um but they all turned me down because I only had one ear level uh I didn't know the right connections. If I'd gone networking sooner, I might have had the right connections. So I went for a careers talk and got offered an interview 
And I thought, people like me don't become accountants. It's, for, it's reserved for those who've got money or come from a good area or got, go to a good school. However, I got the job and I went and did a BTEC because I only had one year level. And then I've completed that and that allowed me to go and start on the SEMA qualification. And I was always a bit of a scrape by sort of student. So one, one level, there was five levels, one level, I sat those exams, those four exams, I sat them six times. Oh, that's 24 exams to get through one level. And you would think on attempt five, I might think about giving up and I didn't. I just kept thinking, oh, I'm getting closer. I'm nearly there. And then the last attempt I got through and the final year, I sailed through it. I learned the art of really, you've got to put a bit of effort in to pass the exams blame the employer but the the male environment I, I really didn't notice it but apart from once I went to a, a, a seminar and it was only when I went to the loo I realized I was the only female because there was no loo uh, there was no queue at the ladies loo and there was a massive queue at the male loo we came back into the room and looked around and it was full of gray suits and briefcases and then I realized oh I'm the only woman here, but I, I didn't really pay much attention to it. So you didn't find a glass ceiling or any of those issues? I did, actually. When you look back over, you don't realise when you're in amongst it, because I'm a glass half full. I look at what I've got and I make the best of what I've got. And I come from a humble background, so you don't, <laughs> your aspirations are quite low. So anything you get is usually quite good. Um, I was paid £10,000 less than a male equivalent in the same role I couldn't get past a certain level on the job and you look to see was that because it something in me or was it because there are the barriers um and you don't know but if I hadn't gone through those things I wouldn't be where I am today and I'm very happy with where I am now so in my world I'm rich that's what it's all about Fantastic. That is what it's all about, isn't it? But uh, I think that statistic that women get paid 17% more, less than men, still holds true all over the world. And I wonder if that's because of uh, lack of networking, lack of asking, lack of pushing, or just accepting people, you trusting the boss. I don't know. It's yes. something, something you, you might... Uh, you think you're being looked after. Uh, perhaps not. Yeah. Perhaps we don't ask. Perhaps we don't no. have enough... Yeah, I think That's it's a combination. I think it's a combination of all those things, actually. And we might have a debate on that. Get some mm -hmm. ladies on on Monday Night Live and have a debate shortly. Now, um, you're a real negotiator, and um, you just got married. Again. I did <laughs> again. You did tell me this yesterday, so I'm going to ask you. You had a rather interesting negotiation with your husband about I where did. to live. I did. Can you share that with us? I can. I wanted to stay in my house and I didn't really, you know what it's like, uh, it might not, but you get married and you've got to do a bit of give and take. We live in separate towns. He's got a daughter, he's got a dog. So I put it to him. I said, how about we get married, but we keep living in our own houses and we just get together on like a weekend and midweek for one night and, and let's see how that goes. His first reaction was, oh, no, 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 that doesn't sound right at all. And I said, let's think about it. Let's talk through the benefits and the pros and cons of it. Anyway, he agreed with me in the end and that's what we do. <laughs> wow. 
and it's working because I know you only got married in November, didn't you? And many congratulations to you. Thank you very much. It was a fabulous day. It was the best of my weddings that I went to because he's my third husband. So I've had a bit of practice and he is Mr. Right. And now that we live apart, it's just perfect. <laughs> Sounds like you had a few negotiation skills before that then. So there's not much I can... Lent a lot, yes. Not much we can talk about on... Uh, on negotiating now i'm going to ask you this and we got a few accountants on this when i read the financial times it seems to me that accountants make a lot of money out of bending the tax rules is this true possibly probably <laughs> this is the recorded bit by the way and so hmrc <laughs> might be watching this yes there are some schemes about but the high risk in my view we sit here in the safe lane we want to do things at a low risk. There's loads you can do legitimately. So they're the sort of rules we apply. But if you want to, if you want to take high risk and make big money, you can go to some of the bigger firms or the specialists who do that. However, you never know when HMRC are going to, or the government are going to change the rules and do a retrospective claim. And also, do you want to go to sleep at night worrying that you might be subject to an inquiry? from the tax man. The people I work with don't, I don't want to, I want to sleep on a night. Mm. There's a great value on being able to sleep and not getting yourself wound up and then getting the emotions going. Now, you did a negotiation with HMRC for a jeweler a, a few years ago. Yes. Didn't oh, you? that was classic, didn't yes. You? I volunteered, I volunteered to do some free work so I could get some experience in an inquiry and my client was with a larger firm, audit firm, and they'd been caught out by HMRC. And it, do you remember the days when, if you paid by credit card, you'd have those machines and you go, <coughs> and we sign them manually. The signature on the voucher wasn't on the payroll records. And that's how he got found out. He wow. was taking money off the customers and paying it to the Saturday girls and not declaring it. So you would not paying VAT, not paying pay-as-you earn. So he wasn't benefiting personally. He was just moving the money around in his own little shop. Oh, wow. Uh, so I, I could see it wasn't going very well, and he was losing sleep. He was having about three hours sleep a night, and I asked if I could help or join in or whatever, do a bit of digging. And the inspector, I got a good rapport going with the inspector, and he, the inspector gave me some tips on what to put into my report. And the crux of it was the jeweler who was my client wasn't earning 40% margin, like Northern Goldsmiths. He was between 20 and 22%. So we proved that, came out at quarter of a million, but I knew that if he had to pay a quarter of a million plus penalties, the business was ruined. So we put that to the inspector and he agreed on a 90,000 settlement. And then further negotiations were, which goes to show the value of getting a good relationship going. The VAT, it was the time when he, uh, Mark will know this, when the HMRC and customs and excise were inland revenue and customs excise were combining. And he said, I can't guarantee that the VAT man won't come out once we're finished, but I'll do my best to protect you. Sure enough, we got a phone call, said they were coming for a VAT visit. So I rang him up and I said, I know you can't promise, you couldn't promise, but is there anything you can do? 
said, as it happens, read the next office to me. I'll ring you back in 10 minutes. He come back in 10 minutes. You're safe for three years and not coming out. You, I don't think you get that, get that now because you haven't got the old style inspectors. And uh, that was just saved his business really because had he had another penalty, he would have had to go down. So it's all right negotiating, but you've got to focus on building the right rapport with the people you're trying to negotiate with. Absolutely. And what was the cost to him in what we would call, or Stephen Covey calls, the emotional bank account, you know? Well, it was horrendous. He, he didn't sleep for five months. And he, sa he said, the thing is, he, if you don't declare your income, then you can't go and spend it legitimately. So he's on the straight and narrow now. He doesn't do anything where he doesn't declare the earnings. And he hadn't gained anything personally from it. He just not been paying the right level of taxes. And he wants to sleep on a night. He wants to get a mortgage, buy a property and be, be able to do it all legitimately without worrying that somebody's going to come and inquire on him. Brilliant. Takes the mind. Yeah. Did you manage to have a face-to-face -face meeting with the uh, inspectors? I did. That's how it all worked. Yeah. It wouldn't have worked on a Zoom or a telephone call. It was a face-to-face. -face. Some things you cannot beat a face-to-face -face meeting. Absolutely. I did a talk last week and we were talking about face-to-face -face meetings and people hate face-to-face -face meetings now. They don't actually go for it. They don't even like phoning, do they? It's all done by email, which is absolutely ridiculous. And I actually talked in my newsletter this morning about mirror neurons, which is a psychological phenomenon that actually works where you, uh, if you mirror and match the body language, the uh, tone of voice and, and the words, uh, MRI scans show that uh, you'll be connected with the person, even though you're controlling it. The benefits of face-to-face -face is just, um, is just uh, so amazing. We did talk about uh, negotiating with women tax inspectors compared with <laughs> yes with male tax inspectors. What's your uh, yes? Well, we this the most recent case we've had going on. It's been a woman inspector, and she, she plays hard, and she won't budge one inch. Now, I'm not sure if it was the combination of who was involved in the meeting, but I wasn't there. So I, I can't say whether it was my lack of influence in it or whether it was just the fact that it was a female inspector. Anyway, that one's gone on for five years and has just we've had to bring an expert in and that's only just reached conclusion. And can I just say if anybody, you know, talked about beating the tax man, that started with two £20 cash appointments and it ended up... With, uh, it went up to 20,000 plus penalties. Final negotiation is 10,000, no penalties. Say that and again, Lorraine, two 20 pounds. Two, there were inspectors had gone undercover, gone into a salon and had one had the nails done, one had back massage, paid 20 pound each uh, in cash. And then a year later asked to see the records to, to get that. Oh, wow. That's it was in the records, but the bookkeeping wasn't particularly good and it was hidden behind some vouchers and it just our doll ended up in a mess. It wow. wasn't our doing because it somebody we in, inherited. Yeah. That's interesting. That's a bit pathetic, isn't it? It couldn't have had much to do that week. Well. No, I know. <laughs> I know. I get it. So um you're a lifelong learner and uh 
everybody on here is lifelong learners. That's uh, we're all interested in how we can uh, further ourselves. That's why we connect and have a mastermind group. But uh, what uh, what did you learn when you were president of SEMA, uh, the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants? And I know that you've done other uh, jobs in that arena. Yes, I, I learned how to put on a black tie event and get up and speak in front of 150 or 200 people, which was the scariest thing when you're quite young. Um, so that was, yeah, and at the end of that one, I learned never ever drink shots quickly. That was my lifelong lesson from that. <laughs> I bet you drunk those after you'd spoken rather well, it's, than- It's when the nerves calm down and then you think, oh, that's over. <laughs> and then, you know, never do that. <laughs> I think everybody's done that once. I'm just going to put it on gallery view and just uh, nod if you have done that once and put your, uh, uh, put, yeah, everyone's nodding on that one. So uh, there we go. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. the other thing I did learn was the value of making connections. So um, the collaboration thing about working with other institutes. So I got to talk to people from Charters Institute of Taxation, um, uh, the chartered secretaries so it's across you know the collaborations with other people who are working in the same industry um so that proved quite valuable yeah no absolutely and uh well you know we uh we talk about networking and will kinsey talks about networking but there's just so much value in networking uh what's the expression will use is uh if you're networking you're never not working i always like that one <laughs> But it's true, isn't it? It's just true. I just can't understand why people don't do it and why people don't connect. Well, we're nearly coming to the end of uh, end of the interview, uh, Lorraine. But there's a few questions in the chat box. But uh, what's your favourite business book? Oh, you like this, Derek. And you've not paid me to say this. But... <laughs> and do you, sure. know what, do you know what the best bit is, right? There's a page in there and it's about negotiating with yourself because if you don't negotiate with yourself, you're not in control really of your life. Absolutely. Mark's got one too. Thanks, yeah. Lorraine. I'm so embarrassed you did that, but thank you so much. Uh, I'll <laughs> you use know what that. I loved? That you've got a, um, a questionnaire and I did it and then I used it to identify where my gaps were. So, you know, when you're driving for perfection and all the rest of it, which I don't sure. but I, I try and analyze the gaps and then I, I thought oh well, what little things can I go and research on on getting the gaps filled so it's very useful thank you no thank you and uh, talking about negotiation with yourself that was a chapter I had to persuade the uh, editor to uh, let me put in the book because actually what's the point in setting goals if you haven't sorted yourself out about uh, what you want and if you don't know what you want every road takes you there doesn't it so uh, there we go anyway one last tip before we go into the questions in the in the chat box for people watching this on tax on life on uh, self-development um trying to do something that's not just for business but for people as well because it always starts with the person review your bank statements and just declutter get rid of the stuff you don't need and have a look at the things you're paying for and are you getting value for money? Typical things are people are paying for mobile phones and they're paying £70 a month. You might be able to get the same value, same service for £40. And Sky, do you need all those channels? Do you have time to watch them? 
If not, get a smaller package. Just do that, clean up your personal bank account and then go and do the same with your budget and then save free taxes and find a way to be in control so you can sleep at night. And just if you've got a limited company, because these are my little favourites, check out trivial benefits in the UK. £50 uh, tax-free gifts from the company. Limited to £300 a tax year for, if you're a director. That's my favourite little tax wheeze in the UK. Is that a website, Trivial, trivial Benefit? No, it's a HMRC little-known fact. But um, one of my other books that I like to read is the Tax Cafe series, and they've usually got little tips as to what you can um, do legitimately for tax-free benefits. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's that's fantastic. So uh, we should all be, uh, can't, we can have an AGM, can't we? Is there some really crazy rules, isn't there? I can take my wife to Mallorca and have an AGM and fly back, can I? Only, Derek, only if you plan it properly. You've got to plan it properly. It's got to be genuine, got to pre-plan it and make sure it is business and not just a holiday in disguise. <laughs> it would be difficult to prove that if I was uh, questioned. I'd rather, I'd rather sleep at night. Uh, Lorraine, um, let's have a look at the questions in the chat box. Uh, Will Kinty says, clients need to know the authorities have un unlimited money, but props unlimited time. The quicker a deal is done, the better for everybody. Paul Coleman asked, did the jeweller just make a mistake when applying the incorrect tax rates? It seems hard to believe. He gained nothing. Let me tell you, uh, Paul's in the Turks and Caicos Islands and he's a regulator and he used to be a bank inspector. So he's seen everything. Yeah. Uh, he, well, he worked 24-7. So even if he did have extra money, he didn't spend it because he never, he, he always was at work. Hmm. And Andy Walker says he can't speak too highly of uh, his accountant. She's a northern woman. So it must be you. Must be you, Lorraine. So he, he's just being... Uh, uh, kind. Uh, Lorraine, can I thank you for coming on? We'll see you. You're coming down to the top masterclass in on the 28th of April, all the way from Sunderland. I suggest you come you come the night before this I'm time. I'm going to come the night before because last time I had to get up at 5.30 in the morning or get the 5.30 train or something like that. It's, I'm not a morning person. And you uh, stay for a drink afterwards. So that's great. So that's on the 28th of April. Graham Jones and I are running that and we have guest speakers. We... Uh, uh, of Kate Atkin and Gabby Gachet. So that's going to be a great day. And email me if you if anyone wants the discount code for that. So Lorraine, thanks very much for joining us. Will you stay on for a little while to answer questions? Yeah. Thank you. And how do people get hold of you if they want to ask you any tax questions? LinkedIn. LinkedIn, yeah. <laughs> LinkedIn, it's all screened. <laughs> LinkedIn's the best one. So can I ask uh, members of Monday Night Live to give Lorraine the usual Monday Night Live round of applause? And thanks for thanks for joining us, Lorraine. It's been a great pleasure.